This was kind of a cat's in the cradle story, you know? Wait, I thought they were on a cruise ship. How would that work if the world is covered in ice? What? You know, that Vonnegut book ended with that Ice Nine getting in the water and freezing everything. That's Cat's Cradle. Cat's in the Cradle is a song about cycles of behavior in families, like how Rachel ignores the relationship in favor of work, much like her dad. Huh. I thought Vonnegut focused more on societal effects of science, but I guess he took a break from that to make music about trends in family units. Welcome to Off the Film Path. Here we review and discuss movies that, for better or for worse, are less known to the general public. Today we are discussing 2018's Like Father. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sophia. And I have to apologize because we have broken our central thesis of reviewing, discussing movies that yada yada yada. Because this is not a movie. This is a 100 minute commercial for Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines. (laughs) This is also a personal fuck you from the universe addressed specifically to me. You all heard on the last episode how it was randomly chosen and To an extent, I own this a little bit because I preferred to watch this rather than Boondock Saints 2 because I've seen Boondock Saints 2 and it's that bad. (sighs) Yeah, no, we'll, we'll have to do it someday and I dread that day. But for the folks who've been following, my father passed about three months ago. To call our relationship strained would be, hmm, generous. Generous to the point of being euphemistic. Yeah, I hadn't spoken to my father since 2016, and I was not allowed to ever see him. I wasn't allowed to go to his funeral. Other arrangements were made, so not good, but better. And this movie, this fucking movie, was not just about mending a relationship that I was acutely aware that I lacked, but also had some extremely specific references to my relationship with my father. Like, exceptionally specific. To the point where it feels personal. (laughs) But it can't possibly be, you all heard it, it was randomly generated. (laughs) So, Kyle, aside from being a 90-minute advertisement for Royal Caribbean, what else do we have to say about this? So I I will forever call this movie an extended advertisement. Second viewing, I was like, oh, there's a little bit more. But that little bit more reminded me of the end of the first Deadpool movie. (laughs) Where Colossus says four or five moments. That's all it takes to really be a hero. So this movie has four or five moments that make it any semblance of character. Yeah. Of a movie and not just people having fun on a cruise. Yes. I will also say that I've been on four Royal Caribbean cruise lines. Mm -hmm. Cruises are fun, but they're also a monument to excess. Whatever excess you want, you can find on a cruise. So to start this lovely journey, I would point out that my dad was a carnival cruise line man. And oh boy, did he love taking the entire family, except me, on cruises. 
So, let's talk about this ad for cruises. Yeah. <laughs> Start with the most generic opening wide shot of New York City. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, look, it's Central Park. You can actually see my apartment from this shot, by the way. Huh. All right. Yeah, my building is in that shot. So, we, we see Central Park, and then we see Kristen Bell answering a phone in um, really a nice... Super expensive looking spaghetti strap top and then pan down. She's got really nice makeup on and her hair is done very fancy. And it's a wedding dress because obviously she's getting married in Central Park. It's a cliche. I don't think anybody actually does that anymore because <laughs> people who you know want to get married in Central Park have never been to Central Park. <laughs> well, you might take your pictures there at least. Yeah. There is a lot of picturesque stuff that you would definitely want to capture on your special day. Since this is the opening and we get our opening credits, did you see who made this movie? I did not. I assume it's Royal Caribbean CEO. Who is it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great guess. It is Lauren Miller Rogan. Oh, that's right. No, I did know that. Because afterwards, I, so I saw this with a friend of mine, and afterwards we were talking about how I hoped that that was actually his mom, and his mom got him this role. But it's his it's his wife. Yeah. Which is just as good, by the way. Not quite as funny, but still pretty good pull. Well, you know how, like, Adam Sandler has said that he made, like, grown-ups so that he and his friends could, like, take a vacation? Yeah. That's kind of how I feel like this movie came about. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, while K-Bell is doing mm -hmm. her wedding preparations slash high strung professional yes we're also intercutting with someone in a car the car is a hot mess yes it's very odd choice like you could just show this is new york but it, like we're clearly following the same car mm -hmm. and the car is coming over the bridge from brooklyn to manhattan so he's probably about an hour away from central park because manhattan traffic is fucking ridiculous yeah Main point, though, is that Kristen Bell, even on her wedding day, cannot take a break from work. Yeah. We also see some subtle hints that maybe she knows this isn't good. Like, this isn't the right thing that she should be doing because she's terrified beyond the norm for getting married. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, like, the, the photographer's comment on it. Like, oh yeah, all the best pictures of the happiest day of your life are full of terror and joy. Oh. So, yeah, she's like got the sinking feeling, but is also working extremely hard while she's going to her wedding. By the way, this is also, I think it's supposed to be on a Sunday. So, you know, burning, burning the candle at both and three ends. And what is her job? She's a marketer? Is that? Yeah, she's an accounts manager. So, yeah, she's an accounts manager for a marketing firm. So her job is getting and retaining new clients to her marketing firm. Yeah. Another way that we know that she's really into work is her boss is officiating the wedding. Who the hell has their boss at their wedding in general, but to officiating? I mean, I'd have my boss. I'd have like my entire chain of command at my wedding, but I work in nonprofits. It's a little different. That is true. That said, who is this guy? I know this guy, but I can't place him. He's in fucking everything. Yeah, yeah. I think he normally plays like a like 
the stereotypical dirty hobo who is anomalously wise. He's vaguely creepy. Yeah. It's the beard, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Netflix had a show called Love with Gillian Jacobs. Mm-hmm. And he was her boss in that. Yeah. But like, yeah, he's just in a lot as like these side roles. Yeah. And here he plays K-Bell's boss and officiant of this event. And, okay, I'm so bad with names, but I do recognize the groom. Is it, It's not Ryan Lochte, is it? I didn't recognize him at all, so I can't help you there. Okay. Doesn't matter. It's some famous, handsome guy. Yes. We also found out who the guy in the car is. Yeah, it's Kelsey Grammer. It's Kelsey Grammer. I make so many references in my notes to calling him Frasier. Oh my god. Okay, so this is like, there's a lot going on with that whole thing, but like, so the boss is an actor named Brett Gilman, who again, okay. just like in everything. Owen, who's the groom, is played by John Foster. John Foster. Where have I seen him before? Uh, let's see. <laughs> in his IMDb known for, I've seen Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines, and it says like gas station cashier. And it's like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay, generically handsome guy. Yes. Yeah. But because... Rachel took a fucking work call. Owen leaves her at the altar. Yeah, she didn't stash her phone outside. She didn't do anything. She stuck it in her bouquet. The phone falls out when she hands her bouquet to her bridesmaids. And so he's like, did you take a work call on our wedding day? I can't do this. I'm out. And Kelsey Grammer, realizing that this is going poorly, decides he's going to make an exit in the most obvious way accident possible yeah he knocks over a table and like draws attention to himself and like Kristen Bell's like dad and then like everybody kind of like splits so Kristen Bell tries to grab a fucking a cab which lol (laughs) and Harry is just kind of like sit uh, Kelsey Grammer's character's name is Harry sitting in his car kind of like mulling everything over and they're actually, they end up like standing right next to each other. When she gets into the cab and splits, they kind of have a moment where they lock eyes. And that's that scene, I guess. Yeah. A little weird. Yeah. The next part, we're at her workplace. She's getting right back to work because, yeah, she's a workaholic. She's wearing that very dark red lipstick that indicates that this person is depressed. She's trying very hard to be okay. And everyone is like, no, like, we know what happened. <laughs> Her boss was there. Yeah. You can, like, not be here. <laughs> but she is on the verge of a promotion. And a big one. There is a big leap from manager to director. So she is on the verge of a promotion and wants to really clinch it because it all kind of hangs on this one, this one account. And look, there's no way that this is a big enough account to clinch somebody a directorship. Sorry. Just isn't. No. It's upstate New York couple that makes chips. Brooklyn hipsters who moved upstate to grow potatoes to make into chips. Specifically. Can I tell you a joke I wrote down? Go for it. This couple looks like they would approach you at a bar and say they really liked your vibe. <laughs> yeah. No, that tracks. That tracks. <laughs> <laughs> 
I joke because you've told me that situation has happened to you before. <laughs> Several times, yes. <laughs> In fact, kind of a lot. Because you're hot shit. Because I'm hot shit. I, I am I am the world's hottest woman, and you know sometimes people do scrape up the courage to ask if they want to you know have a threesome. Something happens in this presentation that Rachel kind of zones out for a bit. Yeah. Oh, that's right. So the hipster lady, because hipsters are not good at reading social cues, doesn't see the depression lipstick and brings up the wedding, and that causes her to zone out. She handles herself professionally, but when she gets back to her office and is surrounded by her adoring co-workers... Sure. Freaks the fuck out and just, like, clears her desk. And boom goes the dynamite. And boom goes the dynamite. So she's at home having depression sushi and watching something, some movie, and somebody rings the doorbell. And she thinks it's going to be Owen. But it's Harry. It's Seattle's hottest radio psychologist. <sighs> Dr. Fraser came. <laughs> That's what Fraser's about. I've seen one episode of Fraser, and it's the episode where the Cheers crew visits. Oh boy. So, like, I don't know anything actually about Fraser. <laughs> it's it's white people fun. Yeah, it there is a potentially magical British woman in it. <laughs> but otherwise, it's just stupid white people fun. Yeah. There was a really great joke in 30 Rock about Black Fraser. Kelsey Grammer shows up in an episode of 30 Rock and they run a scam. It's great. Yes, it's amazing. So I was actually, I was kind of thinking about that this entire time because just. Can I get a cake that says Frager? Do you mean Frazier? No, Frager. (laughs) Stupid. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. They don't really have like a blow up argument. That you might expect. Yeah, very sensibly. She just doesn't talk to him very much. But he coaxes her out with the promise of alcohol. And so, you know, they go, they get extremely drunk. And the premise at the start was, you don't have to say a word to me. Just let me get you a drink. And so they do that for a while. And then eventually, you know, all that hard, shiny armor breaks down and she starts talking to him. One question she has is, how did he know about the wedding? And he brings up a website called The Knot. And I only make mention of this because I applied to work there, and I did get an interview. Oh, boy. For a data analyst position, they were wanting to pay under 40 k a year. And it's like, no, absolutely not. No, that's you're, you're a specialist. Like, you get a specialist salary. Yeah. Not, not like a fucking... Walmart manager salary. Yeah, it's so. Anytime I see that come up, I'm like, oh hey, I remember that experience. Nice. So yeah, he's like, oh the knot, and then what? What was her name? I can never remember her name. Why am I having Rachel? Rachel. Rachel and Owen get married. Dot com. Cute engagement photos, by the way. (laughs) So yeah, they spend the night, you know, getting drunk, doing the. Basic reconnection stuff. What are you doing here? How'd you find me? Et cetera, et cetera. I forgot to mention, while she was at work, they bring up that she has this cruise reservation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, considering what we've talked about is kind of obvious, but, like, you don't know it just from watching because this is where they plant that. Yeah, at this point, you think this is going to be a movie and not an advertisement. 
<laughs> so, you know, as, as every New York drunk does, at two in the morning, they get pizza and beer, which costs $1.99 for the pizza and then like $4 for the beer. Good times. That's not bad for New York. Well, I mean, it, it's sort of like, you, you remember the, the controversy with the Sam's Club hot dogs where like the CEO <laughs> was like, if you raise the price of the fucking hot dogs, I'll kill you. Yes. That's, that's basically how New Yorkers are with their pizza. Like okay. some of the, some like pizzerias can get away with it, but if there's no $2 pizza in New York, there will be riots. I'm more meant for the beer, like $4. That's pretty good. I mean, you're not getting good beer, but you're drunk. It doesn't matter. All right. Fair enough. They pass out. In front of their building. Yep. And wake up when the driver to take Rachel to the cruise ship shows up. Yeah. And they, I don't know what it is about this line read, but Harry is like, I may be wrong, but I think my driver's calling you. And I don't know. Something about that is just really very good to me. I like that. It's so Kelsey Grammer is an actor. <laughs> he's, he's an actor. We'll get into Kelsey goddamn Grammer. <laughs> so one, two, skip a few. And by that, I mean smash cut to a ship's horn waking up Rachel in bed. in what is, if you've ever been on a ship, you know this stateroom. And so the person that I was watching this with had not ever been on a cruise and was like, that's not... That's not very big. I'm like, that, hun, that's huge. Yes, for, that's huge for a cruise ship. Yeah. It's absolutely colossal for a cruise ship. But yeah, they're both like asleep on the ship. And we have both been on cruises before. There's a lot of security that you have to go through to get on that boat. And so there's much you have to do. Yeah, there's so like there's an entire like pre- underway brief that you have to do and there's a fire drill that you have to do before you leave port there is almost no way that you could get so drunk that you forgot all of that and just passed out and woke up in bed in your stateroom the other thing that fucks me up i'm pretty sure you can't take a caribbean cruise leaving from new york city like you would have to travel so much just to get to the islands yeah and if you were leaving from miami Jamaica might be a two-day cruise. If you were leaving from New York, I would schedule maybe 12 days just to get to Jamaica. Right, and they say this is a 10-day cruise. Or yeah. there's 10 days of vacation, presumably all on the cruise. Typically, a cruise will have like one big destination, a couple smaller destinations, and a couple of days in between, and a bunch of excursions ashore. So for those who have never cruised before, that's the general layout. Or, or that's the general itinerary that a cruise follows. So Jamaica is the big port of call. This is a 10-day cruise, and she's scheduled two weeks off for this. I freaked my mom out by telling her that cruise ships have a morgue on them. Yeah. And she's like, what? And it's like, think about it. Thousands of people are on a ship every day, and millions of people die every day. So, like, there's got to be some overlap you got to do something with those bodies. <laughs> yeah. And so first off, right now ain't a great time to go cruising because we are in a pandemic that spreads extremely rapidly through enclosed spaces and ships are extremely enclosed. So don't. Also, they're not great for the environment, turns out. 
They're also disgusting before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. be clear. Yeah, to be to be clear, they were disgusting before the pandemic. They were they were disease vectors. They're holes of unbridled capitalist excess, as I believe we touched on. Yes, but they're also like, oh man, they're very expensive. I think I did see a news story though that this couple like crunched the numbers and they're like, it's cheaper for us to just go cruise to cruise instead of like renting a New York apartment. Oh, that I believe because like, yeah, cruises are disgusting holes of capitalist excess and disease vectors, but New York is that times five. Yep. And also if you're spending that much money on a cruise, they're going to give you all the food that you want. That's true. The alcohol costs extra. You have to pay for that yourself, but you do get the food more or less. Like you get three hots and a cot. Yep. So yeah, I could see that. I could see it being cheaper to do that, but it would get boring because it is very regimented and scheduled and planned. And that facade only works for like two weeks max. You know, what's really fun about at least Royal Caribbean cruises trivia three times a day. My man. <laughs> uh, I had actually never done trivia on a cruise ship. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. cruises. I mean, it makes sense because that's what yeah, this movie I mean, is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, don't go on a cruise. This is a commercial for cruise lines. It makes it look very nice. It is very nice, but also very gross if you scratch the patina. Yeah. Anyway, they meet a couple who also has a honeymoon suite, and they're super annoying. Oh my god. No, this this is the reality of hey we like your vibe. Oh yeah. So yeah, you might think it's like oh, the Brooklyn hipster, the girl is so liberated, and the guy is just like along for the ride and also has a weird, like hippie beard. And a weird hat. <laughs> and and a very stupid hat. No, no. It's the weird guy who looks like he's going to drink your blood while you sleep, and the mousy girl who doesn't know how to ask for what she wants in bed. The extra in, but I'm a cheerleader. Yep. <laughs> yep. Anyway, we see this couple one other time, but they're super annoying. Yeah. Rachel tries to get Harry a separate room, but they are fully booked. This note comes up all the time, and I can't, we can't do it every time. Rachel's still trying to work. Yeah, so much. Basically, if there is downtime, Rachel is on her phone trying to do something, which is hilarious because... Cruises, being in the middle of the fucking ocean, don't have great cell reception. Also, there's literally an area called the business center that if you're so hell-bent on doing work, you can do. It costs money, and the internet sucks, but like you can do it. Yeah. I misremembered this movie. I could have sworn that Owen was going to go on the cruise, and she got mad because he broke it off, and so she swoops in to take it to spite him. Hmm. Apparently not. Apparently I'm mixing it up with some other movie about cruises. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this movie, but I, I, I don't yeah. know what it is. Completely gone from my head. Yeah. Slides off my brain like water off a duck's ass. So, yeah. So they're kind of like they didn't pack any clothes for this. They just got in the limo and went, mm -hmm. which I'll do that. It's going to be very expensive to buy all your clothes on the cruise. If you can hold off until you get into port, you can, like... You can snag some deals. Yeah. Yeah. Jamaica, like, not a super expensive place. 
but they're they are going to kind of gouge you in Jamaican terms because they know you're tourists. Right. They know cruise line comes in. They have a place set up that's not. It's Jamaica, but it's not really Jamaica. They do the same in Haiti. Like my family went on a cruise without me, and one of the port calls was Haiti, and it was not the nice, scenic, pretty part of Haiti, and it was definitely not Port-au-Prince. It was just like Royal Caribbean owns a chunk of Haiti that they keep nice for the tourists. The last cruise I went on, we went to San Juan as one of the stops. Mm, Okay. And in walking around, we ended up finding a Holocaust memorial. Really? Yeah, which was not what I expected in the slightest. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So they're trying to make it all right, despite being an awful situation. They go to breakfast, and Harry tries to do the classic why am I here explanation. Hmm. But Rachel is not letting him do any bullshit. Yeah, so to be fair, this is a hard conversation to have because Harry has not been present in Rachel's life. I'm not sure if we mentioned this at all. He split when she was five and basically she does not remember having any contact with him from that point. So I think they said it's been 26 years. But she says 26, he says 25. It was, it was actually a gag that's coming up here directly. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so he, he tries to, you know, explain, hey, look, you know, I know this isn't good or doesn't make it right, but not by way of excuse, but explanation, here's what happened. And she was like, all right, I'm out. She's like, I'm going to go get some more hash browns. Enter the best character in the movie. Yes. <laughs> the sassy gay couple. Yes, and honestly, one of them is doing a little bit better than the other in terms of acting. Yeah. So, but no, I don't. I don't know that that's necessarily fair. Or maybe scene presence is what I'm thinking. Scene of. presence, yes. Although it's a good contrast, I think together they make a. I don't know about convincing couple because the sassy gay friends thing is kind of a trope in you know girl boss rom coms, but it's fun. It brings energy to a movie that would have been grim otherwise. And he's the sassy gay friend and his boyfriend, husband. This is Jim and Steve. Jim is the very sassy one. Steve mm-hmm. is the little more held back. Yeah. So they're adorable, by the way. The bluest eyes I've ever seen in my life. Like yes. I have some I have some extremely blue eyes. It's something people comment on. These guys have to be wearing contacts. I will say, they bring up that they're Harry and Rachel's assigned table mates. That only happens for dinner. Yep. And only one dinner. Really? Uh, the formal? Yeah. Well, I mean, you get the same table every day. So if you have it yeah. once, then you have it the whole cruise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... It's been a little while since I've been on a cruise. It also might be a difference between companies. Yeah, I don't think they did that on Carnival. But yeah, I think we had an assigned table on the formal dinner night, and that's it. Okay. Anyway, so we get Jim and Steve. We get this old couple whose names I don't remember. And then Dan and Beth, who are probably in their late 30s. Yeah, they're they're late 30s, early 40s. Second marriage for them both, we think it's the right one. Yep. (laughs) But now... Harry has to do his confession in front of six other people. And he does. 
and just houses this confession. Just like everybody's like, he's like, oh, I'm Harry. This is my daughter. I left when I was five. Inexcusable, I know. But, you know, uh, and so on and so forth. He's like, we haven't seen each other, seen or heard from each other in 25 years. 26. <laughs> and this is where we find out that Jim is a therapist. Of three months? Four, but we find that out later. Okay. That's <laughs> all. It's it's very good. And she's like, hi, I'm Rachel. Probably didn't need to know all of that about us, but now you do. And we're leaving when we get to Jamaica. So, bye. Yeah. They wrap up their breakfast. They decide to hang out on the, like, tanning deck. Yeah. The adults-only section of the pool, I think is is what they call it. Yeah. Which doesn't sound like, like, I know how that sounds. That's a different section of the ship. Right. That exists, but it's a different section of the ship. Right. This is just like, hey, I don't want kids screaming around me. Yeah. Where do we go from here? Well, we meet Jeff. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So they have a private cabana and they're, they're talking and Rachel's on her phone in the middle of the ocean. Like she's going to get signal. And... She gets a drink. Yeah, Harry Harry is so into it. He's just like, Rachel, can you grab us a drink? Can you get us around? And so she goes and meets Jeff at the bar. Jeff here being Seth Rogen. Yeah. Okay. You know how Samuel L. Jackson, like in his contracts for movies, says he'll only do it if he gets to drop the F-bomb? I didn't know that was a thing, but I believe it. It's a rumor. I don't know that it's a okay. confirmed thing. Okay. I get the feeling that Seth Rogen will only appear in the movie if there is a weed joke. That is the funniest part of this whole movie, but we are getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're a little bit ahead of ourselves. Anyway, Jeff's from Alberta, or, or Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a teacher, and his wife left him recently, and the kids are cute. They gave him a card. I love that he's just, like, really ask, like, probing Rachel. He's like, well, you got a boyfriend? Blah, blah, blah. Like, Making some moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she's like, well, I got left at the altar. And now my father just showed up after 25 years of not seeing him. And blah, blah, blah. And all this trauma. And it's like, yeah, if you're going to pry, sometimes that's what happens. (laughs) Yeah. And and this was given with the tone of fuck off and leave me alone. Because let's face it, all that trauma, it ain't sexy. But Jeff's a decent guy, it seems like. and. Yeah, isn't, you know, he he acknowledges it, but, like, isn't all that put off by it. He also returns with his trauma of his wife left him. Yeah, it's not a contest, Jeff. And if it was, he'd lose. That is true, but I will say it is saying, like, I kind of get it. (laughs) Yeah. So there's, there's always a fine line to walk between, like, empathy and competition. Yes. You know the mantra he says? Yeah. It's very stupid, but a version of that, it's, this is not a direct quote. This is the one I remember though, is yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. That's more or less what he says. That's almost exactly what he says. Exactly. What I said is verbatim in the movie Kung Fu Panda. Hell yeah. That Seth Rogen was also in. Hell yeah. Oh, we love it. I just thought that was a funny coincidence. Yeah, so Rachel's like, yeah, that's a, a pretty pretty common uh, <laughs> saying. I'm sure you uh, 
you know, thanks, thanks for that sage wisdom, I guess. There's like, yeah, I'm getting off the ship when we dock in Jamaica. So if I see you before then, like maybe we could mm, hang out or something. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, they go their separate ways. And I've titled this next session International Waters Nights. And I was like, how many movies or TV shows use that like nights thing to be something different? And the two I found were Baywatch Nights. And kind of doing that is Dirty Dancing, Havana Nights. <laughs> that was the one I thought of. I didn't think yep. of Baywatch because I was a kid when Baywatch was a thing. I was not even born. <laughs> I just know things. <laughs> I'm old. But yeah, so like, I never watched an episode of Baywatch. I thought the idea was cringe. And honestly, I was not digging Pam's super high cut bikini. What about the Hoff? How'd you feel about the Hoff? <laughs> The Hoff struck me as a goon who probably, like, okay. Hey, would you be willing to kill him for half a million dollars? Yes. Then you might have something in common with Ken Jeong. <laughs> <laughs> Look, for half a million dollars, I there's probably a lot of people I'd be willing to kill. <laughs> yep. Anyway, it's night. Royal Caribbean, they put on a number of shows. This one happened to be, like, a fully audience participation one, and on... I have no interest in that. I want to see shows done by professionals. Yep. Let me have that. But this is not a universally shared opinion. And audience participation is deeply cringe. But on a cruise, cringe is the order of the day. Who gives a shit? It's vacation. Yeah. You're never going to see those people again. Ever. I thought this cruise director might have been Wyatt Russell. It was not. Is it somebody who we would know? His name is Lenny Jacobson. I didn't recognize him from something. He just kind of looked like... He does look familiar, yeah. I think it's possible that everybody went to high school with a dude who looks exactly like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I sure did. (laughs) Yeah. So this show is a version of the newlywed game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And Rachel gets called up. Yeah. And she's characteristically on her phone. So they're like, hey, you just got called up. And so backstage, while they're changing into their coveralls, Harry's like, this is real simple. These are typically done, you know, by like, you know, word association. So we have the same key phrases. We should be good. If it's a color, it's black. If it's a food, it's pizza. If it's a number, it's 22. And I can't remember the other one. If it's a place, it's Hawaii. If it's a place, it's Hawaii. And so sure enough, Harry is fucking right. Kind of. Yeah, so they they ask questions like, what kind of women did your spouse date before you? First off, bold assumption. Second off, they were like, the only one that makes sense here is black. Now, one of the like table mates is a black couple. Mm-hmm. And the black couple is like, excuse me? What the fuck? <laughs> I laughed out loud. That was a very funny... Yeah. Of like, oh, that's not appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. But they got that one right. There was another one. How many times a day do you have sex? Or times a week. Or how many times a week, rather. Yeah. How many times a week do you have sex? God, yeah. There wouldn't be time in the day for 22 times. Like, almost literally. Yeah. But yeah. So like, yeah. How many times a week do you have sex? 22. That's still a lot. Yeah. That's that's a a lot of sex. (laughs) Do you sleep? Do you eat? shower what are you skipping out on here for that oh you eat 
Hey yo. Hey yo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Unless you're DJ Khaled. Yep. So this continues. They also do some like activities like spraying water into like a margarita glass. Yeah, a hat that has a margarita glass on top of it. Yeah. And she, she takes this opportunity to just give it to Harry, just straight on in the face. Just allow. They make it to the finals. They have to do a... Obstacle course. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And the last part of it is that Rachel has to do a trust fall into Harry's arms. Heavy-handed metaphor. Yeah. For those who are not on the call right now, which is all of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing the jerk-off motion. My arm isn't long enough to perform the jerk-off motion, I feel, in my soul, but... Soren Bowie? Soren Bowie, yep. Very good stuff. I love love old Cracked. Oh, those after hours. Anyway, they end up winning, and I go, yeah, fuck that actually married couple. (laughs) Yeah, for real. So, they did win, and they got a private cabana for the entirety of the cruise. This will never come up again. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So then that night they're doing karaoke at a bar. I am shocked that this turns out to be foreshadowing. Or not foreshadowing because that feels something, but it's like planting. Yeah. This is a planted idea for just a twist of the knife for me. (laughs) It's a nice scene, but it's such a like whatever payoff. Yeah. So... Yeah, so so they're they're talking and okay, okay, I forgot. We we forgot a key element of this. So Harry has a business partner named Gabe. <laughs> and I related to that because I also have a friend named Gabe. <laughs> yeah. I didn't relate to that because I, I have different things in my Jeep. Exactly, thank you. <laughs> yep. So Harry's business partner is Somebody he spent a lot of his life with, and they're both divorced, and they lived in the same house, and they ran a very successful business together. But they're not gay. No. Hey, but if I was, I'd want equal (laughs) rights. Yeah. (laughs) And here we have, perhaps, Kelsey Grammer as a person is somebody who's known to have opinions about the gays. So, this is, hmm, spicy. (laughs) Because... He says, oh, you think I'm gay? Well, not that there'd be anything wrong with that if I was, but no. Which, like, is a fine sentiment, but Kelsey Grammer saying it. (laughs) So, mm. but also extremely gay. Like, he's 100% gay for gay. Brings him up all the time. And, in fact, decided to go see Rachel because Gabe said he should and... So he took some time off of work to do it. So, yeah, Rachel's gay dad is talking to the gay therapist and... She encounters Jeff. Yeah, she encounters Jeff and she goes off to have some drinks with Jeff. Yes. Also, I believe at one point Harry says she's always on that phone of hers, which is very much like these millennials, whatever. But this is actually warranted. And Jeff's like, I think you guys are a lot alike. She's like, yeah, I thought she was cool too at first, but I, I'm getting the sense that she's kind of a jerk. And they're just looking at him like, uh-huh. Oh, also important. Harry's been dodging calls. Yes. So hang on to that. It's now like one in the morning and Rachel has not returned to the room. So like 
any sexual being who is not a father absolutely would not do, Harry hunts down Jeff's room and goes to find Rachel. He goes full Dark Knight. Where's Rachel? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, outstanding. Thank you. Very very well done. I like that. So, (laughs) yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, the references. Yeah, so so we're trying to keep this one lighthearted. (laughs) Yeah, so Rachel's kind of like obviously freshly banged and like, Harry, what the fuck are you doing here? That's such a weird phrase that I'd never thought I'd heard. Freshly banged. Sorry? No, it's you're completely correct. I was just like, oh, that's a mental image that <laughs> Yeah. Whatever. Well, I mean, she she goes from Jason Siegel to Seth Rogan. You gotta forget about Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you would get that. Yep. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so that was weird for everybody, but Harry, like, blows up at her, and it's like, you don't do that. You don't leave someone worrying. And she, of course, turns it around on him. Yeah, like, you also don't leave children, you know, etc. It was, it felt like it was the climax dot dot dot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're at the next day. They're going to be going in Jamaica. Their flight is in the evening, so they can explore Jamaica in the day. Yeah. Jamaica's really great. And Jeff... Jeff gets clingy. Yeah, Jeff gets, uh, yeah, Jeff decides, well, I'm going to see how long I can keep this bang train running. Can't blame him, honestly. Yeah, honestly, if I'd slept with Kristen Bell, I'd probably be seeing what I could do to keep that going, too. (laughs) So, yeah, so he gets himself switched over to their excursion group. So he is in the Jeep with everybody, and he just does not stop talking. No, so... Rachel gets sick, yeah. by which I mean nauseous. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel gets car sick and pukes all over the place. And here comes the best joke of the entire movie. Yes. We're in Jamaica. So the driver says, hey, this will help and pulls out a joint. And he's not wrong. Exactly. They're passing it around, though. And it gets offered to Seth Rogen. <laughs> no, we stopped using the word Jeff. At this point, strategically. <laughs> yes. And what does he say that's so damn funny, Sophia? <clears throat> oh, no, no, no. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, never uh, smoked anything in my entire life. And I'm actually quite proud of that. I actually never smoked anything in my entire life. It's like, <laughs> it's not funny if you don't know who Seth Rogen is. Seth Rogen has made a career off of being the pothead. Yes. I don't think anyone listening to this doesn't know who that is, but... I think probably the only movie where it wasn't, like, explicitly deeply involved in weed culture was Zack and Mary Make a Porno. God, that's a good movie. It is so filthy, though. <laughs> like, part of me is like, we should do we should do Zack and Mary, and then... My mom listens. Yeah, your mom, your mom listens to the podcast, so let's not. Yeah, whatever. They go to... This beautiful lake. Gorgeous. Rachel's still on her phone and Harry takes it and throws it in. I like Harry because he's he's very earnest. So, like, there's a point to throwing somebody's phone in a fucking lake. And when she gets extremely pissed at him and is like, what the fuck, Harry? Why did you do that? He responds, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have. Was it a bad idea? Yes. But... <laughs> 
there's also a cliff that they can like jump off of into this. It's lake. a waterfall, uh, yeah. Into the thank you. Into the it's it's like a 10, 15 feet, not absurdly high. But... I would say twenty. Okay, yeah, not absurdly high, but like also kind of dangerous though because it's not a sharp drop. Yes, I noticed that. I was like, oh my god, I would have fucked up some part of me. Yeah. So, dear listener, if you've never jumped off of a waterfall before. You want a sharp drop because you can launch yourself off of that corner and get clear of the rocks. Whereas if there is an incline and that last step is on an incline, there's flowing water, you could very easily slip and fall backwards, cracking your head wide open. This, though, they're at the top, Rachel and Harry, and it's one of the emotional moments of the movie. Okay, help me out here because I'm blanking. I truly do not know what they fucking said but rachel did look up harry oh yeah okay and she decides that okay we'll stay on the cruise and i won't be a workaholic so much and i'll try and relax we forgot to say this in the moment but i felt it important to include afterward in this talk harry tells rachel that he did come back to her from time to time in her childhood but it was just Harder each time because he knew he had to leave and eventually just stopped coming back. Yeah, so this goes great. Like, she's she's trying her best and he's trying his best and they're trying their best together and it's all good. Also, Jeff apologizes because he realizes he had been clingy. Yeah, growth moment for everybody. Yeah. Also, goddamn, Jamaica is beautiful. And then back on the ship, Harry is pushing karaoke like really hard for some reason. Because Gabe really likes karaoke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Not gay. Not gay. Karaoke and ice cream, Gabe's two favorite things. Not gay. Yeah, I think this is the montage over the Go-Go's vacation. <sighs> yeah, it is. There's truly nothing to say except that, like, we're seeing fun activities that could be done on a cruise. Hey, book your tickets today <laughs> type of shit. Can we have our money now, please, Royal Caribbean? (laughs) I don't know. We talked a lot of shit earlier. We did. Justifiably. But at the end of the day, cruises are fun. So, yeah, it's a montage of that. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think now they're in the stateroom and Rachel is getting a call. No, we're... Oh, that's a little ahead. Okay. Yeah. There's a part where Rachel, though, leaves the stateroom without her phone. It's like, hey, growth. Yeah, and yeah, so she she like goes back for it and is like, nah, I'm good. And so growth moment. Something I would find hard to do because I use it as a watch. They're practicing for karaoke. They bring up Escape the Pina Colada song. And <sighs> remember Arrested Development? Kind of. I don't remember this part of Arrested Development. Okay, so one of the karaoke songs that I'm so bad with names. Was it Michael Sarah's character? Yeah, Michael and Michael. They have a song they like to perform, Afternoon Delight, which, if you're unaware, is about daytime fucking. Michael was unaware of that. <laughs> yeah. There's also a joke about that in Glee. Yep. But we're moving past that. We're moving past that. Anyway, the Pina Colada song is extremely sexual and very uncomfortable for a father-daughter duo to be singing yes 
However, now is when Rachel gets a very important call. Yeah. So at this point, because debt collectors will do what debt collectors do. These are the calls that Harry's been dodging. So they track down Harry's daughter in an attempt to extort. Let's call it what it is. Fuck debt collectors. All right. Yeah. They call Harry's daughter to in an attempt to extort money from her. The goddamn parasites that they are. So she gets pissed about this and goes to confront Harry. She understandably assumes that he came back into her life just to get help with this. And will not listen to reason until Harry just kind of explodes and says, Gabe's dead. And that gets her attention because he's been talking nonstop about his business partner, Gabe. You know how sometimes you think a movie's going to go one way? Mm-hmm. Um, that turns out to be this great. was yeah this was a delightful red herring like i'm so glad they did it this way yes what i thought though in the next moment is we were going to find out that gabe has stolen harry's money and that's why he needed a debt co- like that's why he had debt collectors or him. gabe had stolen money and now harry's on the hook for it or something like something that. like that yeah or that his business like he had invested a lot in in his business and it's not going great but it turns out that no well, it's kind of that. Not, not, not entirely. Like he's he's doing okay. He's doing fine. But because Gabe had early onset Alzheimer's, and that is extremely expensive to treat, and honestly, there's no good treatment for it. He died, and Harry had a significant amount of medical debt, and he was having to sell his house. Also, Gabe was kind of the person who was good with business details. Yeah. So when he couldn't keep that straight, the business suffered. Yeah. So the business is still operating, still doing okay, but not okay enough to... Like, he's in a significant amount of debt, but he's handling it. He doesn't want her money. He actually legitimately wants to reconnect with her. I did not put this together until you said this about Gabe, though. Mm-hmm. Lauren and Seth Rogen operate a charity. Oh, um, for... Or Alzheimer's. I did not know that. Yeah. Seth Rogen has something on Netflix called Seth Rogen's Hilarity for Charity, Mm -hmm. which is just a, it's something they had done a number of years. It's a nice dinner and a show, and it's a thing to get people to write big checks to this charity. Okay. Okay. And that particular year, they filmed it. It's a really cool show. Like, I do recommend checking that out on Netflix. But like, yeah. Yeah, if we're not going to have universal health care, yeah, bleed the rich for their, for their money so we can actually help people. I like that. Yeah, but I guess that might be what this movie is actually about, is like them... If that's what it's about, they did a bad job of highlighting, but... No, I don't think that. I think it's, I think it's just a, you know, it's a good pull. Yeah, it also might just be like they chose Alzheimer's over something else because they're involved with this charity. It's more well, likely... And- Alzheimer's also takes a long time to kill you. Yeah. So that's a long time to stack up medical debt. Anyway, he's in the process of selling his house. He's ignoring the debt collectors, not because he doesn't want to give them the money, but because just waiting on some paperwork to go through before he has the money to clear the debt. So he absolutely does not want Rachel's money. And so this is the climax. And they, they kind of like, once they reach this understanding, they're like, oh, so all this is legit. Okay. And it actually kind of deepens their connection. Yeah. 
We're now at the final night, and we have the karaoke competition. Yeah, we do. A lot of songs. Do you want to shout any of them out? Mm-mm. The only thing I want to say is, of course, the gay couple goes with Whitney Houston. That's very funny. <laughs> that is that is very funny. Also, Jeff sings a not quite a love song. I can't remember what, what he sang. I don't remember, but it was like directed at someone. Oh yeah, he's got a he's got a new girl, and like, yeah, like Jeff, a bit of a hoe. <laughs> Rachel looks at it and is like, "Oh, nice." Look, if you're gonna be a hoe, a cruise is a great place to be a hoe. That is true, unless you go with your family and have to share a stateroom with your sister. Yeah, but then I mean, you just operate on college rules. Stick a sock on the doorknob; they'll fuck off for a while. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, how to tell your siblings you're having sex? Yeah, with your parents' stateroom right next door. Oh, hard pass. Bad thing. I'm not the kind of person who's going to pick up anyone on a fucking cruise. Just look at me. But Seth Rogen did it. You got this, buddy. You look the same. You do look remarkably similar. Literally, there was a time in college when someone drunkenly came up to me and goes, Hey, Seth. I'm like, hey, man, I'm not Seth. And they're like, no, you're Seth. I'm like, I, you have me confused with someone else. He goes, no, you're Seth Rogen. I go, oh, hey, great seeing you guys. <laughs> I thought he confused me for like some other person who just happened to be named Seth. Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I was like trying to correct it. But then when he made it clear, I was like, I'll play along. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, by happenstance, Harry and Rachel happened to be the last team to do karaoke. Mm-hmm. And they choose, they choose a song. They do choose a song. That makes sense to happen on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Come Sail Away by Styx. You know what's great about Come Sail Away? The third verse. <laughs> yes, that is. Where true. it's actually aliens. <laughs> so that awkward silence, will I'll get to that in the, in the analysis. But yeah, it's great. And they call all of their friends up on stage to help them sing it. And yeah, of course they win. They're the main characters. <laughs> sure, they have to. They have to win. I don't know what the prize for that is, but who cares? Yeah. And I say, what do you mean? There's 20 minutes left of the movie. What else has to happen? Well, if the movie ended there, it would be fine. It would be good, in fact. And it this extra 20 minutes doesn't actually ruin anything. No. So they have. Breakfast the next morning, where everybody is, like, cheersing, and Rachel gets the promotion. Well, you forgot about what happened that same night. Did I? Yeah. They spread Gabe's ashes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was I, I was yeah. a little carried away. Yeah, so they spread Gabe's ashes, bury him at sea. It's lovely. Harry had intended to do so in New York, because that's where he was from, but because of the events that happened... You spread ashes at sea off of the stern of the ship because otherwise you're just ruining the paint job of the ship with person. Were they not at the stern? No, they were... At the bow? No, they weren't quite at the bow. They were amidships. Okay. So what you would do in that case is you would talk to the ship's crew who would, if they have even the slightest of give a fuck, make arrangements to have you escorted to the stern where you can commend his body to the sea. Yes. So the next morning they are celebrating their glorious victory. And also Rachel gets the promotion. So they're also celebrating that. And Harry's like, Hey, 
you know, going to move into probably an apartment or something in LA, uh, you know, why don't you come by and take a look? And she's like, yeah, I just got a new job. I'll be along in a while. They had planned to move pretty much the next day because Rachel says, what's well, a few more days of vacation time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with this promotion, she's like, I have to get back to work basically immediately. Yep. I I can't say what I wanted to say because I no, do said it, it to something. It's, it's fine. Go for it. Yeah. This is the cats in the cradle thing that we decided to reference in the opening. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it doesn't actually play, but like we, we were all thinking it. Yes. Anybody who is watching this movie and has heard cats in the cradle will think this it's entirely rational so there you go rachel goes back to work and talking talking she goes you know what actually fuck this i'm gonna go help my dad she did learn something she did learn something it took a while for the like sometimes the message doesn't necessarily like stick immediately but she got there so she goes out to la and visits her dad's house and her dad is like, there's a bedroom with Gabe's medical bed in it. Like, clearly, Gabe passed in the house. So, like, yeah, he's selling the house to clear his debt, but also really want to continue living there. Gay. They're gay. They're, they're yes. a gay couple, like, obviously. And to reinforce that, his gay friend is helping him. <laughs> his gay friend is not only helping him, but bought the house. Are we at roll credits? Like, we're basically at roll credits at this point. So Rachel shows up. There's Jim and Jim's husband, Steve? Steve. Jim and Steve are there, and that's basically roll credits. It would have been two on the nose to name him Adam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would have been right there. Yeah, so, oh boy. And Alice. Yay! A big thing here is the importance of relationships and not working too hard. In mm-hmm. your career. Yep. Because if you do that, you end up losing people. And you end up with, like, one person. Oh, we didn't bring this up in the discussion. Or, sorry, the recap. Rachel got back together with Owen, like, really soon after her mom died. Oh, yeah. So Owen was kind of always an ersatz father figure. Paging Dr. Freud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the clear analysis of that. Yes. She says that it was a familiar presence because she didn't have anyone at that time. Not really. So don't neglect your relationships. Okay. So in the spirit of really admiring Harry's earnestness, I will relay this story. And while there are dimensions of this that I am not willing to share with the public, it goes way, 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 way deeper than just this. I mentioned at the start that this was a uh, very personalized fuck you letter from the universe. This was a singing candygram of a fuck you signed the universe. All right. So most people know that I was in the Navy. I went directly out of high school. In fact, my graduation party was my going away party. My mom was upset that I joined the Navy, but she had also threatened to break my legs if I joined the Marines, and I was fairly certain she was not being facetious, which is okay because Marines, I'm, I'm too smart to be a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> it 
it's a joke I can make. <laughs> so my dad put together an audiovisual going away gift where he stitched together in video format a lot of like the pictures that have been taken as I had grown up and interspersed them with Navy ships sailing. Set to come sail away. Mom cried. My girlfriend cried. I cried a little. My dad was a sailor and he actually, he went back into the Navy after like some stuff that had happened to me in the military seemed like a jolly good time to him. And also the deployments were very lucrative in a time where business was kind of suffering. So he went back into the Navy and yeah, so, so sailor life and cruises and those things are all things that I had one of the very few commonalities I had with my father. So this one's done. This wasn't fun. Fuck you right back universe. And yeah, that was kind of a preoccupation for me. I didn't do a lot of analysis on this one just because of like, I was bracing for the moment where I was going to ball. Right. The other big themes are breaking a cycle of familial behavior. Yep. And I wrote down never too late to make amends, but I guess it is. We were all thinking it. Yeah, it is possible to be too late. Yep. That is, that is the point at which I started bawling. I don't know if there's much more to like dig into really like, uh, we can identify the themes, but again, this is a hundred minute commercial. Yeah. This, yeah. Royal Caribbean's branding is prominently displayed in close up on everything. In fact, it looks for all thing for everything in the universe. Like they CGI'd it onto the stern of the ship in that first shot. A little bit. <laughs> because as I recall, they don't actually put the company's logo on the ship. Like it's marked as Royal Caribbean, but like, I don't think it has, like, the company's actual logo on it, does it? Yeah, I, I thought one of the, like, flags had it or something. Yeah, a flag, but not the actual hull. Oh, I mean, it's the name and with the logo, I thought. Also, I do remember the name of the ship. It said Harmony of the Seas. In Googling it, it is a real ship. Yep. Neat. Yeah. My two pieces of non-analytical notes, though, they do a handful of scenes that are very either light on dialogue or no dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think they're, those are like surprisingly well-made. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. So they did get like the A-list came out for this movie and you don't get to the A-list and not know how to talk with your eyes. Yeah. Which leads me to my second point. The acting is very strong from Kristen Bell and Kelsey Grammer, mm -hmm. which is crucial for this to be, even close to resembling a movie. Yeah. Anything else we need to say? I don't think so. Go on cruises if you want, I guess. But also, there's a lot of not good stuff about cruises. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've got a couple hundred bucks to blow, there are worse ways to do it. But it is environmentally irresponsible. It is irresponsible in terms of public health. It is irresponsible in just about every possible way exploitative of the countries it visits. Yeah. Though that might be at a point where just stopping cruises might cause other issues. Yeah. Well, I mean, how much of that money do you honestly think goes into the places they stop? No clue. 
my guess is not nearly as much as they would like us to believe. Not nearly as much as it should, but if you're dealing with a country that's already not doing great, taking that away might. Yeah, 4,000 relatively rich white folks popping into, you know, Haiti probably helps. They spend money on stupid shit. Right. Anyway, let's get to ratings. Ratings! <laughs> on a scale of 1 to 10 for enjoyability, Sophia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with a 4. No, you know what? I'm going to go with a six because it is functionally, aside from the fact that it is an advertisement, I have to recognize that it is a good movie and I have to laugh at the cruelty. Otherwise, I will go insane. So, good one. (laughs) Yeah, on rewatch, it's less of an advertisement than I remembered it being, but it's still an ad. I'll give it a five. Okay. All right. So, obscurity. Obscurity. Seven and a half. Uh, I would. I'd, I'd agree. As much money as Royal Caribbean clearly put into this, it's a Netflix movie. <laughs> didn't, yeah, it didn't get a good. Didn't get good advertisement. Advertising for your advertisement is silly. Do Netflix movies ever really get good advertisement? I think they get placement in the algorithm. I suit me. Like, don't look up. I think got yeah. a little bit of that. Yeah, but yeah, this. No one cared about this movie, and nor should they. Nope. It's fine. As we wrap up our episode, we end, of course, with our pop culture pop-out, a piece of pop culture we have been interested in as of late and just want to talk about for a little bit. Sophia, why don't you start us off? So, I'm going to talk about Sandman. Ooh. So Netflix has decided to make an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's graphic novel, Sandman. If you're not familiar with the concept, a guy tries to capture death, which always goes great, and misses and instead captures Dream, her brother. Shenanigans ensue. I don't know much about Neil Gaiman apart from Good Omens. So Neil Gaiman, are you familiar with American Gods? I'm aware that it exists and I know like a few details, but like not really. It's fantastic oh he also made Coraline right I don't recall okay if he did that's like such a different wheelhouse though yeah so Neil Gaiman is a very good writer is very funny if you don't follow him on Twitter you're doing Twitter wrong he's like the only celebrity that's active on Tumblr and he crushes it really yes interesting I would not have guessed that at Neil hyphen Gaiman at Neil hyphen Gaiman I love it so yeah He's big into mythology and has written a couple of books on the subject. This, yeah, this this has to do with... So, it's kind of a mashup of concepts of gods and the concept of gods. So, in Greek mythology, the god of death is Thanatos, and then the god of dreams is Hypnos. And yes. they are closely related. Like, they are very close as beings i believe they're brothers yeah i was about to say at very least in the video game hades they are referenced as being brothers yeah so they're brothers and as divine siblings go they're pretty close in this death is a woman and also kind of sweet you don't you don't normally think of like thanatos as being sweet in fact very few people actually like thanatos and he doesn't get a whole lot of mythical representation the representation he does get is weird you have not seen the Hades fandom then, because they 
fucking love Thanatos because the player character loves Thanatos. Weird. Okay, sure. But yeah, so so Death in Sandman is a woman, a very interesting woman. Wendling Christie, right? I believe so. Sorry, I felt the need to correct my uh, misspeak here. Thanatos in Sandman is played by Kirby Howell Baptiste, who you may recognize from The Good Place. Gwendolyn Christie plays Lucifer in the show. And also very kind. So it's it, it's going to be a really interesting take. The graphic novel is amazing. It's considered one of like the classics of the edgy emo genre. I'm really excited about it. It's Kyle. What's new that you want to talk about? This past week, I saw for the first time a movie from 2000. You know, very contemporary. Before you were born. Not. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I was, however, four years old. <laughs> I was almost, like, I started high school in 98, and you were two. <laughs> I saw American Psycho. Ah, okay. And it's a goofy movie. Just cool it with the anti-Semitic remarks. Yes. <laughs> Something I did not expect him to say. Yeah. Let's see Paul Allen's car. Like, stupid. The whole Huey Lewis in the News thing. That was wild. Actually, American Psycho is good because they kill Jared Leto. Also true. Yes. There's a part where he has two women over and he makes a sex tape to Phil Collins' Sue Studio. <laughs> yeah. So that song has been stuck in my head all week. So at that point, like, if you are making a sex tape to Susudio, I've already pegged you as a psychopath. Like a yeah. dangerously insane person. One neat piece of trivia, though, is that Willem Dafoe plays a police detective. No, wait, not police detective. I think he's a private investigator. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gone to the police yet. Who shows up a handful of times to interview Bateman about... What happened to Paul Allen? Yeah. And apparently they filmed the scenes multiple times and in different takes, Willem Dafoe was instructed to, in some takes, know that Bateman was guilty. Mm -hmm. In some takes, believe that he is innocent. And in some takes, not be sure. So like, he's trying to suss out. And then those takes got stitched together. So it'll, like, switch perspectives, and it's, I think it's meant to, like, represent Bateman's, like, paranoid mental state. Yeah, like, he's trying to, he's trying to cold read this guy, and it's not going great. Right. And it's, it's a well-made movie. I understand why people are like, yeah, if this is your favorite movie, that's fucking weird. Yeah, okay. (sighs) That along with Fight Club, but Fight Club is also good because they beat the shit out of Jared Leto. (laughs) Also true. (laughs) Look, it's based on a book by, I believe it's Brian Easton Ellis, and he's an asshole. Like, he's just an asshole. Like, that's that's his thing. He's a big, giant asshole. So, most people like the movie way better than the book, and if the movie is your favorite movie, that's real fucking weird. Don't do that. And, like, if you're overly fond of sharing Patrick Bateman memes, I probably think you look up to Patrick Bateman. Don't do that. The point of the movie is he's a bad guy. Incredibly superficial. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Christian Bale, I guess, does a pretty good job, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, Christian Bale is, is uh, I was about to say consummate professional, but then I remember the time he cussed out the lighting guy for no fucking reason. 
Terminator Salvation. Yeah, that's the one. Well, I mean, I think at that point he probably realized his name was attached to a sinking ship and wasn't yeah. happy about it. All right, I'm not. I'm not holding. I'm not carrying any water for Christian Bale, but like, the man's good at what he does. You just stand to be less of an asshole to the crew. They don't. They don't have a choice. Yeah. So this is actually my way of saying, hey, listen to Phil Collins and specifically Sue Studio. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, where can people find you online? I'm all over the place. I have a link tree. Big hits are. I'm on Twitter at Hamil Carena, H-A-M-I-L-C-A-R-E-N-I-N-A. I trying to slowly reintegrate that back into my life in a healthy way. I know that I've had a good restart. So I'm also on Quora at Sophia Helena Maestricht. I'm also a medium at the same. I'm working on a thing there because I just finished a book that I'm very excited to talk about. Let's see, where else? My Instagram, Sophia H underscore MDT, if you want to get a look at this hotness. Don't find me on Facebook. Kyle, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, at KyleTheGiggles. I'm on Tumblr, Letterboxd, and Twitch under HebroHammer. We, together, also have a Twitter account for the podcast, at OffTheFilmPath, where we talk about movies, live react to the movies that we're watching. Swear to God, I'm going to get back into that. (laughs) Yeah. I understand why you didn't do it for this one, though. (laughs) Oh, boy. No, that would have been grim. Yeah. Sad girl hours. If you would like, there's a link at the bottom of our show notes where you can leave a voice message to be in an upcoming episode, whether to leave your own pop culture pop-out or talk about the movies we're discussing. But in order to jump in for the next one, Sophia, what are we watching? Next time we're watching The Binge. This is a Hulu movie that is okay. (laughs) It exists. Like, it's very forgettable. It's not bad. It's forgettable. Oh, I wonder what tortures the universe has in store for me. No, it'll be fine. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. Thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Tell your friends about this wonderfulness. Pay millions of dollars to make a movie on Netflix that advertises our podcast. Start an NFT, rip off a bunch of investors, and then put an ad for it up in Times Square. Lovely. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye.